Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Tuesday, January the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are a bit scattered today, covering multiple quick hitter news items on the podcast. Those topics will include Brian Flores' staff rounding into form and what we can glean from those hires, Jawan James' free agency price tag, a new mock draft from the draft network themselves, and some interesting tidbits on some draft-eligible players this coming spring, as well as some potential cap casualties For the Miami Dolphins, we have tons of topics to get to in short order. But first, real quick before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. If you don't know by now, those podcast subscriptions, ratings, and reviews are how the podcasts grow, get out to more Dolphins fans, and help us to continue to keep doing the show that we all love so, so much. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL and follow the show at LockedOnFins and of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the entire LockedOn network is going to be your off-season home for all the written content you guys need on this team. We have a great staff so far and we are expanding that staff here very shortly. And last but not least, the other LockedOn Sports family of podcasts like the LockedOn NFL podcast and LockedOn NFL Draft podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, of your favorite leagues, and of course, all your draft day needs. We have a busy show for you guys. Let's get things going. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down, today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by MyBookie, where you play, you win, and you get paid. And the first topic we're going into today is something I kind of ripped off of Cameron Wolf from ESPN. He wrote a very good column up on ESPN.com talking about the potential either re-signing of Jawan James or the potential allowing Jawan James to walk via free agency. And it's really an interesting dynamic for a couple of reasons. And the really main point I took from the column, and it's a quote that we have talked about from Joe Shad previously in the locker room after that Buffalo Bills defeat in the final game of the season, how Jawan James said, look, if this staff is back next year, I don't expect to be back. So to me, That wasn't as much about a shot to Adam Gaze across his bow as some would assume it is. I think that was more a shot in the direction in terms of maybe this staff doesn't value me that much because let's face it, Juwan James got benched twice under Adam Gaze and maybe he just didn't feel the love from Adam Gaze. So that's probably where that quote comes from. He was the second highest paid right tackle in 2018 on that fifth year rookie option, right around 9 million bucks. And there is a bit of a discrepancy between left tackle in the NFL as far as salary owed and right tackles don't get me wrong but I do believe the league and I think there's this is evident by the direction of the league and the general outcry over interior rushers or just edge rushers playing anywhere off the defensive line because if you recall in the past it used to be all about you put your best edge rusher on the left tackle and Cam Wake was kind of one of the pioneers of playing left defensive end and going up against right tackles But that's the case across the league in a lot of cities nowadays. So right tackle, left tackle, it's all the same. And I think in a few years, contracts will start to level out 
to properly reflect that new age thinking in the NFL. And the couple of contracts I point to here are left tackle Nate Solder of the New York Giants and right tackle of the Chicago Bears, Bobby Massey, who just recently, I think it was last week, received a four-year extension for $32 bucks. And Massey's not on James's level. And James is on a higher level than Nate Solder, who got four years, $62 million on the open market. And to me, that tells you the difference in terms of having a guy go out on the open market compared to re-signing a guy and keeping him in-house rather and getting that hometown discount. And I think that has to be the aim with Jawan James, probably closer to nine to 10 million bucks per year for James on an extension, not quite Solder's figure, which also featured $35 million in guaranteed money. And let's face it, he's a pretty mediocre left tackle. He was protected in that New England scheme as every offensive lineman seems to be and was exposed this year for the New York Giants. But the idea is, what do you do in place of Jawan James if you don't bring him back? Because we'll talk about this here in just a second. But if Josh Sitton and Dan Kilgore are both cut, which I think they could be, and Jesse Davis didn't have a good year by any measure last year, you're left with just Laramie Tunzel. You're going to replace 80% of your offensive line. I just don't think Miami has the opportunity to do that. I think they're going to have to find a way to get Juwan James back because if they don't, this offensive line is going to be even worse in 2019 than it has been for so long now as we open up another hole at the right tackle position. But also, Juwan James and Laramie Tunzel are best buddies. Go to any of the locker room interviews, post-game or post-practice, whatever it might be. Those guys are always hanging out, mixing it up. And I actually saw them playing catch with the football pre-game prior to the Patriots game back in December on the field. Those guys were getting after it, playing a little toss before the game started. So for those many, many reasons, I just don't think you can move on from Jawan James. And speaking of the potential cap cuts or guys that could be on the move, in addition to Jawan James, there are several. We've talked about them on the podcast before. Andre Branch and Devontae Parker, to me, are very obvious for everybody to see that both those guys will move on. They are nowhere near the salary owed in 2019 as far as their production standpoint, and it will cost them nothing to move on from either of those players. So those are easy. I think the same case for Kiko Alonso could be made, who basically was put in the rabbit hat situation, the player the opposition picks on over and over again against the Patriots. I see the Patriot staff coming here to Miami and saying, okay, we can't win with this guy. Let's move on. Danny Amendola is the one that everyone seems to be at, think will be an easy transition into Chad O'Shea's offense. But I'm saying not so fast on that because he's owed six million bucks and plenty of guys in the NFL on rookie deals or smaller veteran deals than that outproduce Danny Amendola. And I just don't see why you would do that only for a relationship. That is very Adam Gay's thing to do. And if the Dolphins bring him back, I will be greatly discouraged because of that idea. And then Josh Sitton and Dan Kilgore. I think both those guys are going to get cut as well because of the injury problems, the age problems, and the declining production of both players, specifically Dan Kilgore. And then the last one, TJ McDonald, who I previously thought would be on the chopping block, even though the Dolphins wouldn't save any money by cutting him. But I think his performance in 2018 was good enough that you can bring him back and it's to the point to where you don't want to cut him just to cut him because he was good enough to earn that cap hit that you're going to accrue, whether you keep him or whether you don't. I think he comes back as possibly a third safety, maybe the second, if the offseason does not go the right way. 
Either way, the Dolphins can clear upwards of $70 million in cap space by shedding some rather unproductive players' contracts and getting all those bad deals off the books authored by Mike Tannenbaum. So good news on that front. Dolphins have a very intriguing offseason ahead of them. We will climb more into that as the offseason progresses here. But next on the podcast, we're going to talk about a couple more hires being announced as part of Brian Flores' staff. But first, before that, a word from my bookie. Ever since I started this podcast and gave out line picks and NFL picks on the show, people have been asking me for advice, and it's usually about which team should I bet on this week. And you don't have to take my word for it, because if you think you know, you gotta check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet you'll make all season long. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's one word, locked on. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim that bonus. MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. I think it's safe to say that Brian Flores is currently the busiest man in America working double duty as the current defensive play caller for the New England Patriots, but also working on rounding out his staff in Miami when he will take the job on Monday at the conclusion of the Super Bowl down in Atlanta. And more news is pouring out about Brian Flores' coaching staff that will be assembled in South Florida with him next week as they have a busy stretch of weeks and months to come ahead with the draft ahead of them, the senior bowl in the rear view, getting those scouts and coaches and players aligned in the same vision It's going to be a challenge for those guys, but at least we have some concrete information as to who those guys will be heading into 2019 as part of this new look Miami Dolphins team as the organization once again resets and begins a new under Brian Flores, the 10th head coach in team history, sans interim head coaches who I do not count in that category. But under Brian Flores, we're going to have a couple of guys that we already knew about Of course, we know about the offensive coordinator will be Chad O'Shea, the current wide receivers coach from the New England Patriots, one of Flores' best friends up there in New England. Those guys run stairs together every single day. We know that Packers linebackers coach and run game coordinator Patrick Graham will be the defensive coordinator. And we also know that Jim Caldwell will be the quarterback's coach and assistant head coach to Brian Flores. But on Monday, we got a couple of tidbits about two more positional coaches on this staff. Not quite clear yet what their jobs will be, but I think it's pretty obvious based on what their jobs were in their previous stops. And both of these guys actually don't have experience on a Brian Flores staff nor do they have experience with the New England Patriots. So for those of you that keep on pointing to the friends or Facebook friends or relationships being the only requirement for a job with this team, 
Hold on, not so fast, my friends. They're going in a different direction here with a couple of position coaches. And you can't expect Flores to not bring anybody that he knows from his past. Obviously, he's going to have relationships from his 10, 12, 15 years, whatever it's been, with the Patriots. So that's a given. But this, to me, is encouraging for a couple of reasons. I'll tell you why here in one sec. But let's go ahead and introduce you first to Marion Hobby, the former defensive line coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. His roots are all over the place, beginning in college at the University of Tennessee Martin and then moving on to Louisiana Lafayette before making the jump to the SEC with Ole Miss in 1999. He has coached defensive lines at Clemson with two different stints there, the Saints and the Jaguars most recently. He also was the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach under David Cutcliffe at the University of Duke. So he is well-traveled. He has played in different schemes, different style, or I should say coached in different schemes and different styles, different leagues, different types of games altogether. So he is a well, well well-traveled coach with plenty of experience. And then also Rob Leonard, the assistant outside linebacker coach of the New York Giants will also be joining the staff. He has spent his entire career, his short six-year coaching career with the New York Giants. And he did spend some time in New York with Patrick Graham. Leonard has always been an assistant positional coach, first initially starting off as a defensive assistant, and then in 2016 got the call to be the defensive line assistant coach under Patrick Graham. So you can see where that connection goes. And to me, that operates under two ideas that are both encouraging for Miami. The first point is that Brian Flores is already trusting and delegating responsibility onto his staffers. I don't think that he was the one that suggested the idea of Rob Leonard. That had to have been a Patrick Graham production to get his former colleague, I should say, into Miami and round out the staff. And number two, there is an abundance of experience as far as scheme versatility is concerned on this new Dolphins staff. And that point jives with the assumption that the Dolphins will be extremely multiple up front with multiple looks, multiple packages, multiple sub packages under Brian Flores. And then there's also the player connections that we can glean from this idea that several of these players or free agents or guys in the draft have connections to these guys as Rob Leonard and as an outside linebackers coach, Patrick Graham working in multiple fronts. I think we have the idea that there'll be more of a hybrid type of defense with edge rushers playing at linebacker spots and beefier defensive lines at five technique and three technique and two gapping, all that fun stuff we have covered. But look at some of these connections that Marion Hobby has from his time at Clemson, but also with the Jaguars. The first one is the connection to free agent-to-be Dante Fowler, who will play in Sunday's Super Bowl. He was a high draft pick, third overall from the Jacksonville Jaguars. It did not work out there, but he was under Hobby's wing in the 2017 season and for part of 2018 before he was traded to the Los Angeles Rams. And Fowler has experienced a bit of a resurgence in Los Angeles and is certain to get a big, big paycheck off that edge in free agency if he can't get signed back to the Rams, which I don't think he can because of all the contracts they owe. Plenty of guys there already. So if he hits free agency, maybe that connection works. But even more possible, in my opinion, is the Clemson connection because he had a hand in recruiting all those monster defensive linemen, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Cleland Furl, 
Austin Bryant. All of these guys played under Marion Hobby at Clemson. And I mean, that lineage is pretty damn impressive. He also has developed a couple of guys at Clemson himself and Andre Branch and Vic Beasley. And then of course, in 2017, coaching Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe to basically pro bowl, almost all pro level seasons. Campbell did get all pro that year up in Jacksonville. So good news there. In my opinion, this is a positive sign in the right direction regarding these coaches. Again, we're not going to know if these were good hires, if they were bad hires, if Brian Flores works out, if any of this is going to work out. It's all a mystery, but at least we can rest on this. Their direction, their vision, everything is different and almost diametrically opposed to what this team was under Adam Gase. And even before that with Joe Philbin, Tony Sperano, this is the first time the Dolphins have taken this particular approach in the coaching staff. Will it work? Who knows? But at least we have something different to hang our hats on. Okay, we've got one more segment here on the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, you guys can find me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL, the show at Locked On Fins. And next, we're going to discuss some random notes from the notebook and the column up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled Travis's Tuesday Thoughts. Check that out now. And we will discuss all of that on the other side of the podcast. Turning things up here for the third segment of the Tuesday, January the 29th podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, as always, every single day on the Locked On Podcast Network, the home of the true NFL fans and true Miami Dolphins fans. Let's go ahead and talk about some college notes here and some different ideas or tidbits that I took from podcasts, from Twitter questions, from mock drafts, just the whole lot of it as we try to continue with valuable content here on the pre-Super Bowl week as things tend to slow down for other teams post-Senior Bowl game. But that doesn't mean we don't have information and stuff to talk about here. Let's go ahead and jump right in. I think my favorite topic that I wanted to talk about today was on the Move the Sticks podcast, which... If that's a podcast you have not listened to yet, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, two former scouts and executives in the NFL. Definitely check that out. This time of year, those guys are a home run every single episode, but they talked to a few prospects on the podcast from the Senior Bowl, and the best one came from Charles Amenahu from Texas, the edge rusher, and they asked him, hey Charles, can you please put your scouting cap on and evaluate the Oklahoma product, Kyler Murray, for us, and Amenahu did not disappoint whatsoever. He said, quote, Kyler is the best player I've ever played against hands down. He can run it, but people also don't realize that he's just as good at throwing the thing as he is at running it. Baker Mayfield was great, but I think Kyler is better. High, high praise. And it didn't stop there. Quote, you put the tape on and you realize, man, we're going against the real deal here. Michael Vick-esque, end quote. That is a mic drop there for Kyler Murray playing against his rival, his the Red River rivalry game, Texas-Oklahoma. Tons of hate there between those two teams, but you can tell that the comparison to Kyler Murray from a guy that played against Murray to Baker Mayfield and the Michael Vick comparison, that's just unreal praise. And he made it a point to say that Murray's arm was just as impressive as his ability to scoot and get out in the open field as a runner, which to me says many, many things about his ability as a quarterback and the way he stresses the defense. Because let's be honest, if the defense hates playing the guy, you probably have the right guy. And the best news of it all so far, 
This doesn't mean a whole lot, but the guys at the Draft Network, the best draft coverage as far as I'm concerned on the internet outside of the podcast realm with Move the Sticks, Kyle Krabs, you guys all know him. You can find him on Twitter at Grinding the Tape. He had his fifth mock draft, which Kyle, what are you doing, man? Five mock drafts already? It's not even February yet. I get it. They have a publication they have to put out. And mock drafts eat up the clicks. But in his mock draft 5.0, he has Kyler Murray as the Miami Dolphins' first-round pick at number 13. Who knows where he's going to go in this draft? I have seen everything from number one to the end of the first round. I think for sure he'll be a top a first-rounder. I think most likely he'll go in the top 10. But there are plenty of folks that believe he's in that kind of 10 to 20 range as far as the quarterbacks go, and that he could be the third or fourth quarterback taken, which is just hilarious to me because the only guy you can make a case as being better than him is Dwayne Haskins. And even to me, that one's not close. But Benjamin Solak also has Murray to the Dolphins in his latest mock draft. So hopefully all that good juju pushes us forward into April and the Dolphins can finally find the heir apparent to Dan Marino as it has been way too long since we had a legit, legit top-level quarterback on this team. Moving back to the defensive side of the football and going back to the Senior Bowl, on that same episode of the Move the Sticks podcast, which debuted on Monday, they interviewed Zach Allen, the defensive end from Boston College, who had an excellent week down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. And just to go back into his scouting report real quick, he is a versatile player that can play almost anywhere on the defensive line, kick inside, play out wide off the edge, has a solid base, pure power, never gets knocked back, at least according to him, on running plays. So he can do a lot for you on that way. But the Move the Sticks guys asked him who his favorite team growing up, and he did say the Giants because of his proximity to New York growing up in Connecticut, but he also said the Dolphins, and Daniel Jeremiah said, how the heck did you get the Dolphins in there being from the New York area? And he said that his mom was actually a cheerleader for the Dolphins in the 90s. So that's pretty cool. You can read more about that story from Zach Allen in a great column written by Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post talking about Zach Allen's mom being a Dolphins cheerleader and that fandom carrying over into his college and hopefully professional career in the NFL. And then one more note I have here, which I said on the top of the podcast, we're going to change gears a lot on this podcast. People keep asking me about Jacoby Brissett and how there is that possible reunion between he and Chad O'Shea, Dolphins' new offensive coordinator. And I'm just going to say this for you guys. Even though Chris Ballard has taken a hard stance against the possibility of trading the Colts' backup quarterback behind a now healthy Andrew Luck, he says, quote, not a chance, unquote. I think that's that's bluffing. I mean, let's be real. This time of year is made for bluffing. I think that all GMs are going to lie and tell you some truths and just leave it up to you to figure out which is true and which is false. I think that one's false. I think they're going to have to explore the trade market for Jacoby Brissett because let's be honest, Andrew Luck is the guy there now and for the foreseeable future. And if Brissett can bring back a second, a third round pick, the Colts would be kind of foolish to not take that draft pick and continue to build a team around Andrew Luck. Because with Brissett, we've seen it, that team just isn't that good. I don't think Brissett's worth a draft pick, especially not a high one. Now, if you can get him for a fifth or a sixth, go for it. The Colts will not do that. But if you can, I would do it because to me, he is one of those, I mean, Ryan Tannehill, he's a fringe level starter at this point, possibly a backup the rest of his career. I just don't see the upside. And I also don't think the Dolphins will pigeonhole themselves and settle for a quarterback that, and not to disparage Brissett of that caliber, because let's face it, he's not an elite level quarterback and doesn't have the elite traits or tangible prospects that you see as some of the other guys that will be available this offseason and of course in 2020. 
So again, you guys can check out all the notes from that column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the quarterback merry-go-round piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as Andrew Mitchell's preview of the free agent prospects, top five on defense and offense. Like I said, everything you guys want to know about this team all offseason long, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. And also, if you have a smart speaker, you can tell your smart speaker to play Locked On Dolphins podcast to inject this content straight into your veins. But as for this podcast, that is going to be my time today. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with Mark Schofield for a can't-miss edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. With the 